Welcome to the Under a Pile of Books podcast. In this episode, I interview Angela Board, author of Fortune's Fool, an incredible debut with cadenced prose and a sprawling story. It's one of my favorites from this year. It was a lot of fun to get to chat with Angela, and I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Angela Board, author of Fortune's Full, which, if you've heard me talk at all, is one of my favorite books of 2019. Hi, Angela. Hi, Calvin. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, and we're going to kind of jump right in. And so first question, and this is uh, this is a little maybe on the on the general side, but when you're writing, and so when you're, you're crafting a story, whether it's a novel or a short story or whatever, uh, when writing, which comes first for you, the character, plot, or setting? Or maybe something else? Uh, no, it's always character. That's, okay, yeah. That's yeah. the very first thing. Usually somebody, you know, pops into my head and... And then I have to figure out who this person is. And and when I'm doing that, then the story kind of and setting the world kind of unfolds uh, around them. It, it's usually it takes a little while to kind of get to know them. So it's kind of a germination process, I guess. You know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, I kind of see when I'm writing, I see stories kind of like um, a movie in my head. So when I when the person kind of first appears, they appear like I would see them alive and doing things on a movie screen, but I don't know, like, I don't know their name and I don't know where they come from. And I, I can see how they're dressed, you know, and the color of their hair and, you know, maybe the color of their eyes or whatever. And then it takes me a little while to get a sense of them. And, and in getting a sense of them, I kind of get a sense of the story and eventually I'll, you know, I'll sit down and write some notes or I might do some exploratory scenes along the way and, you know, bits of dialogue and things will pop into my head and I'll work out pieces about the world and, and stuff. And eventually enough gets into my brain where I can sit down and go, okay, I'm just going to start this. And then I start it. And then usually any planning that I've done gets thrown out the window and I start, you know, and I go to back to a certain point and then I, you know, go from there. Okay, well, I know this now. And, and then I work to another point and then, you know, the story kind of takes over in a way, but I'm constantly kind of trying to keep up with it, you know, like follow it. So I have to have a point that I'm writing to in order to feel comfortable enough to write, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not, if, if something else, it's never, what I have planned in my notebook is never as good as what comes out when I start writing because it's like the character will withhold information from me and then all of a sudden dump it in my lap. <laughs> so oh, that's, uh, that's really cool though. So, so it, it all really like the seed is the character and it all just kind of flourishes from there. It all, all it all grows from right. there. Right. Right. Yeah. Always. I can't think of a time when it started any differently it's I you know I have a lot of people in my brain at this point so <laughs> <laughs> you know actually I've had a lot of a lot of authors say something similar like you know I've got these people living in my head with me and um yeah. you know so no but that that that's really um that's really cool and I, I you know so you mentioned kind of there, like, you know, maybe you, you write a couple exploratory scenes or whatever so you would definitely then be more on like the discovery writer end of the spectrum Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not a total, you know, it's not like 
a total, oh, I have no idea. Let's just start writing and see where I go. That's, that's not me. I'm kind of more like a hybrid, but okay. I'm definitely okay. not a real plotter, you know, because like if Got I it. sat yeah. down and I made a, an outline for the whole book um, by about, I would probably get 5,000 words in and have to toss out the whole thing. So it's kind of <laughs> like a process along the way. I have, I fill up notebooks. I used to, uh, I used to type my notes as I would just switch over to another window when I was writing and I would type them out, but then they, they kind of get lost and stuff like a computer right, dots right. anything off of it or whatever. And, and so the notebooks, it's like something about writing stuff out longhand too, that triggers another part of your brain or something. And I can always think that nobody's ever going to see this, you know, so I can do any crazy thing I want in my notebooks. Oh, and, nice. You know, and then a lot of times that's, that's what needs to be done because, you know, you got to get past those filters and stuff to see what, what will really, what will really go down. So, and, and sometimes it's too scary to do that when you're typing something in because it feels too official. So. Right, right. Well, and I think, I think Neil Gaiman or so, someone told me at some point it was either Neil Gaiman or Stephen King actually write out their, their novels, like. Oh, by hand. Longhand. Wow. And I, I cannot imagine that. That would be. So. Yeah. Well, Fortune's Fool is uh, about 220,000 words. That would be a lot of <laughs> work with my hand. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like uh, Neil Gaiman's stories are often shorter than uh, 200,000 words. Yeah, I think so. so usually. Um, but no, that that's really cool. That's really cool. And this is a complete aside. So you'll just have to indulge me here. But a am I correct? I think I remember us maybe having a Twitter conversation or something about this. Do you do you write with a fountain pen? I do write with fountain pen. Yeah, I use fountain pen in my notebook. I love so, it. Yeah. I love it. I love fountain pens. So that's, I feel my, my little geek heart is so warm and fuzzy <laughs> right now. So yeah, yeah. I, I like, the, I just like the way the ink flows and it's easier to, you know, write with. Oh yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like it, it just the, the, and the tactile kind of sensation of, of the feedback and it's, it's totally, I love it. I love fountain pens. Um, I do most of my writing anytime with, with fountain pens. So, um, so yeah, uh, but back back on topic before I before I get us all off talking about <laughs> inks and uh, and everything else. So, um, so Fortune's Fool is the first book in the Atirian Empire uh, series, and uh, you I think you actually have I think I just saw in your newsletter you you have a, a short story or a novelette or something the that's going to come out or that just came out or something right. no, um, it's, to it's newsletter going, subscribers. Yeah. Um, well, I have, I have a couple of different things. So I have a um, novella that's going to come out to newsletter subscribers. Okay. And yep. um, that novella is set. So fortune's fool is um, there are two narratives in it. There's a past story of Kira's mm -hmm. history. And then there's a, the present story of Kira in the present, you know, um, and doing the thing here and they all kind of, they kind of link together, but there's a break in between the end of her past story and the beginning of her present story. And the novella kind of slides into that time period. So, and it kind of takes a couple of the characters from Fortune's Fool. There are a couple of the mercenaries that the, the name for mercenaries in Fortune's Fool is Gavaros. They're, they're um, because I like the Italian mercenaries in the Renaissance, you know, had right, right, right. 
so I, I had to give them a name. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it takes, it takes those characters and it kind of shows them meeting up and has a plot about what they're doing. Um, and I do have another story. It's a, it's more of a novelette at the moment, but, um, and that's coming out in an anthology, um, called dark ends that I am involved in with a few of, uh, my writer friends. It kind of came about as an idea, uh, my conversations on a discord chat and we all decided to write stories for it. And, um, yeah, my story is called dragon meat and that will be out in, um, this winter. So, uh, so dragon meat like, like dragons dragon. who meet together or like, no, like dragon meat like like dragon beef. meat like you would eat a dragon. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um oh man, so um so tell us a little bit um about what maybe some of the influences were for uh this series and, and sort of the world it's, it's very, well, you mentioned kind of Renaissance Italy inspired and, uh, or at least in, in fortunes full where they are is very Renaissance Italy, uh, sort of esque. So what, what were some of your, your influences beyond maybe just Renaissance Italy? Well, um, it, it all kind of started because of Romeo and Juliet, which that's, oh, but I, okay. I kind of, flip that that was kind of the whole seed of the idea because I really I mean Romeo and Juliet's really a tragedy it's not mm-hmm. really a romance and so I kind of played up the tragedy so but I really always hated the ending of Romeo and Juliet so <laughs> I didn't do that but um that's kind of where it started um and Kira just showed up as herself with the arm and I had to chase that but I was reading things at the time you know I, I kind of always liked um, the Italian feeling my grandfather, my great grandfather, um, who I never knew, uh, Sicilian. And so, but I always had that. I didn't know much about my Italian family background, but it was always there, you know, it's always been Mm -hmm. a thing. And Mm so, um, there's that. And, and then I, when I was kind of developing the story, I was reading a, uh, book that was historical fiction and it was uh, all about silk production in Italy at the time and in the plot I can't really remember the plot but the um I really like the silk so um <laughs> that worked its way into the novel and oh, neat. okay yeah and then um it was also you know when I got to thinking about the renaissance went Whenever I'm I'm looking, like some people, when they write historical fantasy, kind of, they take actual events and they translate them into fantasy analogs, you know, and I, and I don't really do that. I'd much rather have the feeling of the era. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the Renaissance was, you know, I just like the feeling of rediscovering um, Greek and Roman mythology and science right, and yeah and you know art and um you know that feeling of exploration and going beyond the boundaries that they'd been set in um and so i decided that you know i'd have my my i wanted greco-roman gods and stuff so the mythology sort of has worked its way in like sometimes i i was stuck toward the end when i was revising it and i didn't like my ending very much and so i went and i read some of Ovid and 
some of in 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 and it's not the ending is in any way shape or form like Ovid but for some reason that's <laughs> right, right. <laughs> inspiring um and then and then too I went and looked around because I wanted the world to be big and like it was you know the Mediterranean I wanted it to feel like the Mediterranean the Mediterranean is a big you know very diverse area right, and yeah. so I uh I I went looking around there so there's the the Colfin empire which is sort of um in my head it's kind of like you know the turks um a little bit and uh and i you know i have um african like the african uh kingdoms like mali and those were those were some of my some influences too and i oh, just really? kind of take That's pieces cool. from here there and everywhere i guess yeah, well, I love it, and I think I think it comes together, um, you know, really nicely. So for for folks, as you're as you're listening to this and sort of processing uh, the the feel of Fortune's Fool in in terms of the setting or whatnot is is actually not dissimilar. Uh, if you've read uh, also published uh, earlier this year, also a book I really enjoyed, A Brightness Long Ago by Guy Gabriel Kay, uh, his stuff. Uh, is or, or at least that book is based in his kind of Renaissance Italy inspired setting, and so if you if you like that, uh, you're probably going to like Fortune's Fool. So the kind of similar feel to those, though ultimately quite different plots, and and the the, the characters are very different. But uh, but yeah, so if you like Guy Gabriel's K Guy Gabriel K's A Brightness Long Ago, definitely give Fortune's Fool a try. Um, it's awesome. So. You know, Angela, you mentioned this a second ago, um, that the the story in Fortune's Fool is kind of told through sort of two time periods to, to the narrative. You've got um, Kira's sort of present, and then but also her past. And one thing that I thought was really neat that you did is you actually clue the reader into that by using... Uh, present tense narration for the uh, present narrative and pat you know your typical kind of past narrative uh for the the past narration and i'm i'm just curious i'd never seen that done before and it doesn't mean it hasn't been obviously i haven't read every book out there as hard as i'm trying to um <laughs> but uh but i haven't done that yet so maybe it's been done before but where did you kind of get that that idea because to me that was really quite unique flipping between the two tenses is a way to indicate the time period we were in well um i actually can't remember exactly where i got that other than the fact that i was just very worried that people would get lost um, yeah sure because the, the book was actually written in two very different time periods in my life. So there was a big gap in between when I read the wrote the first draft and then when I pulled it out of my closet and decided, hey, you know, it's pretty good. I'm going to revise it. So um, I don't know when when that happened, because when I wrote the very first the very first kind of seed of the novel it was actually a novella that wasn't very good, but um and it's very different, really different. And uh, it was mostly just Kira, um, Kira getting her, you know, like her job offer that she gets at the beginning of the novel and okay. mm -hmm. going off on it. And then like Arsenault was mentioned, but he wasn't even in there. 
like as a character. And um, <laughs> you know, I can see him in my head, but I don't know. Anyway, so so at that point, I think I've, I thought, well, I, I need to, can, I have to have her past to explain her present. How am I going to keep those separate? And so I just kind of hit on that because I was really worried about it. And so I thought, well, um, I'll just, I'll, I'll write her present in present tense and I'll write her past in past tense. And, and then what I also thought for my first draft until my beta readers got hold of it was that I would just alternate chapters. So I would have a present chapter and a past chapter and a present oh, chapter. Mm-hmm. And, and they all hated that. <laughs> they, they right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that to get the, that would be bad. hard. I think from the pacing. Yeah. It was, it was bad. And so I was kind of freaked out for a little while and then I revised it. And after a couple of reshufflings, it, it came into the order that it has now, but it was funny when people were reading it. And as they were reading it, even in the last parts, they sometimes wouldn't catch the change in tense. So mm-hmm. it would slide from past and then it would start in present. And I would think, okay, well, everybody will know it's in present now because it's in present tense. But a lot of the times people didn't notice it changing. So I had to put time markers into the beginning of the chapters anyway. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I think for me anyway, in reading it, that it, it just worked amazingly well uh, to, to kind of have that very subtle sort of indicator of, okay, you know, this is the time period we're yeah. in because of the, the verbal tenses and you, confession Normally, present tense narratives are not my thing. Um, I think I've complained about them in a couple reviews or something. And yeah, I was a little afraid of that when you were. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you, like, basically the 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 ones that I've found that really work are are Fortune's Fool, uh, which which, like I said, I think it works really well. And actually, um, Robert Jackson Bennett's uh, his Divine Cities series um, is also present tense narrative and works really well. Uh, so, Hey, you are in, in my book, you are in company with Robert Jackson Bennett. And I think that's, that's a great place to be. So, (laughs) but no, it really, it just, it worked amazingly well. And I love kind of just the subtlety to it. Uh, and, and the way that, you know, immediately kind of, for me anyway, clued me into which timeline I was in and that, that worked out really well for me. So, um, all right. Um, I've, really wanted to ask you about uh, the magic system in Fortune's Fool, and, and particularly because, you know, magic comes off as, as pretty rare uh, in your world. It's it's certainly not common. You know, not everyone knows a, a magic user or, or whatever. It's, it's a, it's, right. feels quite rare, quite mysterious, but the magic also feels very wild and untamable or, or even unpredictable. And so I'm, I'm curious just kind of what inspired you to write a magic system like that one or, or how that came about, because so often magic really doesn't feel like that in, in novels, whether it's hard or soft magic is kind of irrelevant. It, it always feels a little controllable by the, by the mage or whatever. And that, that doesn't feel that way in, in fortunes full. So what, what kind of led you to, to write it that way? Well, I, I don't know. Like I said before, I don't, you know, I don't sit down and plan out too much. It kind of evolves as the story goes on to whatever seems to fit the story. And I guess um, I I like magic to have a cost. 
Um, yeah. You know, I don't like, I, I mean, I, I do like stories, I guess, where magic is kind of a little thing and they use it to do things like, you know, like little things and, and it mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. you know, start campfires and whatever. But it just always feels to me like something that, with that much potential, like something that you could use to start a campfire with, like what's to stop you from setting the woods on fire, you know, cause it's, I mean, wildfires start like just with one ember, you know, sure, so, right. only you can prevent forest fire. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so it just seems like something with that much potential could get out of control very easily. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I guess that's kind of what I bring to it. I don't know. It, it may be like some, long ago right you know i always feel too like the the that kind of like regular magics kind of thing would kind of be like maybe i was just very influenced by watching you know the sorcerer's apprentice from like fantasia when i was a little kid (laughs) i mean that would be me right i would i would try to clean the house with a magic spell and forget the word to stop and it would all fall down right 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 (laughs) (laughs) so so that's kind of where it came from, and it kind of developed. Um, it probably has come from, like, I I got my degree in anthropology, which isn't useful for anything, but um, really that I do on a daily basis except for, like, world building. And um, so it, uh, um, you know, it's kind of maybe worked its way in from some of the the reading that I've done over the years, but I can't really pinpoint a moment at which I said, you know what, this should be like this. Like, it doesn't feel as much like a system to me as a, well, this is just kind of part of these characters. Right. Um, yeah. Well, right. Almost, almost really a force of, of nature in some ways. Um, more than a system is kind of how yeah. it felt to me. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, totally hear what you're saying there. Thank you so much. That's, I, I love, I love magic and fantasy stories. So hearing how kind of different people were inspired to to craft the magic in their stories is something I really, uh, really enjoy. So, um, all right. Well, as as we wrap up here, where can folks find you and your books, um, online or or whatever? Um, well, I I just have one book out right now, and it's it's on Amazon. Um, and um. You can, I'm pretty active on Twitter as uh, Angela Board, no spaces, just my name. And um, also, I have a Facebook author page that's also Angela Board. Um, <laughs> if you want to, I just kind of did this. Um, I talked about it, mentioned it in my newsletter, but I do have some Pinterest boards that I stick pictures on occasionally, <laughs> but they're, they're not horribly <laughs> organized. But if you want to go see some of my inspirations, um, that's Angela Board writes. So W R I T E S on Pinterest, but, um, and on Goodreads, I'm on Goodreads as Angela Board. Um, and I do, I try to post reviews of books I'm reading. I do read a lot of indie fantasy, um, which I enjoy reading. And, um, but I don't always get around to it because sometimes, you know, I, I don't have time or whatever, but I do try. And uh, I think that's it. Well, awesome. Well, oh, and folks, if uh, you've enjoyed listening to some of what uh, Angela's had to say uh, on this podcast, definitely go check out Fortune's Full. And uh, also don't forget to check out her website, AngelaBoard.com, and sign up for her 
newsletter and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy some of the perks you get with that. So, uh, well, very good. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for uh, spending some time with me this evening. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Whee! <sweak>